You are listening to Fellowship Around the Table. One other thing I wanted to talk about that's very real in my life right now with two high schoolers is you mentioned it earlier, but one of the things that they're dealing with in a different way than I did is all of the the gender and sexuality mm. conversations that are going on. What advice do you have for parents and, and what does that look like in student ministry right now? Man, the <laughs> first, the first, because you said parents. So the first thing I would say is don't freak out. Okay. <laughs> That's the first place. Yep. Maybe you can internally, yeah. but don't, don't freak out in front of them. Yeah. And I say that because, and maybe I'm just jokingly dogging on kind of the, the Facebook like <laughs> world of, I'm just going to rant why I don't like the, these young people, or right. I'm going to rant why I don't like this political position, right. whatever. Sadly, I hate to say this, but sadly, culture has done a really good job on making that that type of person the enemy. Mm-hmm. And Boy, so see that. if you can maintain your composure, you have already done 50% better <laughs> than most people. <laughs> so that would be the first thing I would say. Okay. Yeah, being calm and, and listen. Yeah, there you go. That was yeah. where I was headed, okay. right? The second thing would be just listen because a lot of times you think you know what people are struggling with, you think you know all the answers already. And you you might, I mean, especially biblically, you have a good understanding of the end game here. Right. But I think you might not really have an understanding of where mm. your kid is at. Yeah. Listening is so good and it says, "I'm here." Yes, I'm I'm your dad and I'm I might be judging where you're at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time like I'm here to realistically say I want to know what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. And I know want to know what you're feeling and what you're processing. And I want to be there to a- answer questions. And yes, I do want to be there to help guide you in what I think is truth. Yeah. But doing that in a way that says I'm patient, I'm understanding, I want to listen. Yeah. One of the conversations we, me and you were having and you were sharing your insight with just being on the front lines of this, mm. really. I know parents are, but I mean, you're meeting with kids all week and people that are struggling with these issues is I think for for older people, they see the sex part of it and it's all about sex, but you, you've spoken to me several times and it's like, really, it's not as much as you think. It's about identity and creating mm-hmm. identity. Can you, can you speak on that again? I think yeah. that's very helpful. Yeah, so we'll see where I where I go, the path I <laughs> sure. run with this. But the first thing I would say is, I would say it started with millennials, which I can't remember. Are you, I'm not like trying to no, shame no. you here, but I'm are on you that millennial, line. but I, you're- I'm on that line. It depends on which chart you look at. Right yeah. on the line. I think most people start millennial at 80. I'm an 81 model. Yeah, so- But I, I claim Xer. I think more of just growing up in rural Oklahoma, I was maybe a couple of years behind. Yeah. So did you <laughs> did you play The Sims? That's the first place. No. Okay. I, did you play any of those Giga pets? The little top. I don't know. I don't know what they're called. The the little pets that you have, <laughs> like you walk around and it's digital, and you feed them, and they go to the bathroom, and you have to clean. I them. just told yeah. you I grew up in rural Oklahoma. Okay. No, okay. no, no joke. Right. I did not. No. Hey, well, it's still showing you that okay. all really hit at my age. Okay. And, okay. And the reason why I'm saying that is yeah. because starting around that time, you have all these things coming at you that say create your person. Okay. Make this unique to you. And then you get into my, like, I'm just speaking to me, like teenage years, you get into that and 
you're creating first a Zanga profile. I don't know if you remember that. There was Zanga. And then after Zanga, it was MySpace. And then you go into Facebook, right? Okay. And so the as those things were developing, everything was always customized this to be completely you. Hmm. Even MySpace, the thing that I think still people in my generation <laughs> reminisce right. is like, I could put my music on there, right? right? And what's funny is, <laughs> I, I know I'm going off track here. No, I love it. But Instagram right now has on there, like there's a, a section when you go into your messages where you see people, they can write a note on their profile for their followers to see. But you can also put in like a song. Which is new. And I'm like, did Instagram go, hey, let's bring it back. Let's just see what happens. I think they did. And I've put my, I put songs up there just to see. Yeah. A couple of those engineers had MySpace. They did. They did. (laughs) And so I'm saying that because all of that creating your own character created this idea. Like I could be whatever I wanted. Mm. And then you get into, and some people listening to this might be like, I don't understand anything he's saying. But then the next thing is this thing called an MMORPG which basically is called a massive multiplayer online role-playing game, all right? So what that means is uh, games like WoW, called World of Warcraft, games like RuneScape, if you've heard of that, Mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings Online, (laughs) I may or may not have played. So games like that, that you go in, you create a character, you meet new people online, and they only see your character your and avatar your, right yeah Ooh, and so you yeah look at that <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> you still know a little and so you you do this and it creates this idea of like i can be who i want to be hmm. and i think with that is just this new generation constantly getting thrown at them so many this is who you could be that their creative character their desire for themselves is very much i want to be unique Okay. And I want to stand out and I want people to notice me. And I say that, that sounds really selfish. You're like, man, most of these people aren't that way. It's because guess what? We're all, we're all pretty selfish. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of times it's just that creeping sin in our life that, that says, I want to be known. I want people to see me Mm -hmm. and I want them to see the version of me that I want them to see. And so just all of that really produces in us this, I'm going to be edgy or I'm going to be, this is what I'm, you know, and just go like creating your own character that is now really you, but isn't you like this weird. And so I say all that because that bleeds into what I do remember us talking about is, you know, back whenever I was in fifth grade, I had a, I had a friend come up to me on the playground. All right. We were, I think we were shooting hoops. He's like, yo, who do you like? And I'm like, (laughs) I'm in fifth grade. And honestly, I just... I had been homeschooled from my kindergarten through fourth. <laughs> okay. So I come in fifth grade. Yeah. You he's like, who you do you like? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had no clue. So he's like, who do you like? Or, or actually he says, do you like anybody in the thing? And so what comes to my mind is, oh, I got to say yes. Like, that's mm. just the obvious thing. I got to say I like someone because right. that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. So I say, yeah. And so he's like, oh, who? And I'm like, oh, I'm not telling. <laughs> Deep in my mind, I have no idea. I don't right. really have an answer. Then he starts listening to girls. Well, I went to a pri- small private Christian <laughs> oh, no. school that that had only like five girls. Oh, no. So he starts going down the line real quick. And oh, I get God. to the last one. Oh, no. And I'm like, well, now I have to say yes. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, that's who. Literally, he walks away and he goes and talks to that girl's best friend who then says, oh, guess what? She likes you. Oh, boy. And and out of of that came two weeks later, 
I'm like slipping a note, like legit slipping a note, check yes or no. You want to be my, my girlfriend. And, and a week later we were at the basketball game and we were holding hands. And then a week later, you can see the progress here. A week later, I break up with her over email. Oh, no, over email. <laughs> so, what email? Yeah. Oh uh, man. What was I using? I was using Hotmail okay. at that time. Yeah, yeah. That was mine. So I oh, say all that goodness. to say, really, did I, the, the reason why I broke up with her was I was like, what, I, I just had a come to Jesus moment where I was like, what was, what am I even thinking? Right. Why do I even like this person? Like, and it wasn't like a, I don't dislike this person. It was just like, why, why what did I this? do this? Yeah. I thank God for that moment. But a lot of times people don't have that moment and they'll go years going, I've just been in this relationship and it's just what I'm supposed to do. And it's like, we, we, once again, we think it's a selfish thing, but it's just like so deep and inherent in us that we don't actually process the selfish thoughts we have. And so you are going, yeah, deep rooted inside. You might be in a relationship just simply because it makes you look different to your friends. Wow. Right. Maybe you don't want people to make fun of you because you're single. Right. And you, and so you want to fit in that happens still today. But the problem is whenever I was growing up, it, the cultural norm is what girl, what girl do you like? Right. But now the cultural norm is, you know, are you bi? Are you non-binary? Are you a a, a furry? Right. <laughs> I'm just throwing out. I mean, right. And it feels and, unlimited. And, yeah. And so once again, then then when you're still struggling with end of elementary, early oh, junior high goodness, stage, when you're years. still trying to feel out, I don't really know anything. I don't right. understand. I'm, I'm going through puberty. Like all these well, things results in you simply just saying, sure, this is who I am. And then the problem is once you create a character, you almost feel like you've got to stick with it. There's a pressure to keep it. Yeah. Yeah. To speak to current events, like a good example is Lizzo. If you've heard of Lizzo. And her, she's a, she's a singer and her big thing is she's a bigger lady and she's, she's all about don't body shame. Don't do this. Okay. Just came out in the last couple of weeks that plenty of people who worked under her, she was saying like, if you gain weight, you're out. Like, so total like hypocrite type of thing. And she's once again in in the world we live in, she's getting what we call canceled. Okay. And she came out with a statement basically saying like, no, I've always, this has always been me. Right. And the whole reason I'm saying all that is because what is happening in our culture is deep underground. You are this, this person who is a sinner who struggles and deals with all these things but you, you cover that up and you just keep on holding up this identity that you've created and say, no, 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 this is me. This is me. Don't look anywhere else. And if I start to falter in any way, then I'm going to feel shame, right? Wow. If I, and we've seen this, like it's in studies now where people who, for instance, are transgender want to transition back to what they originally are yeah. meant to be, yeah. then they struggle with feelings of like people just being like, you know, casting them fully away. Oh. And, and in a way, some of them don't come back to their natural place because yeah. they have this guilt. Wow. Like I've, I took that step and I, so now I've made this proclamation and now I'm going back on my word and they get caught up with kind of their perception again. Yeah. And it's, and, and once again, it's all boils down to identity. Like you started this with. So. Yeah. That is such a helpful framework. Cause like you said, just generally, if you don't have your identity in Christ, I mean, 
who knows what it might end up in. But when I was growing up, there was enough cultural norms and traditions that people didn't find their identity in Christ. They found it in something else, but it seemed like it was somewhat limited. Mm-hmm. I mean, destructive, but limited. Mm-hmm. And now it just feels like it's Pandora's box. Yeah. But the same, I mean, those things are, are falsehoods and, and lead to pain and suffering and destruction. And wow. No, I think that would be very helpful for parents. Talk about too, one of the things that I found very helpful, you were talking about how this generation that you're ministering to, they've elevated the virtue of kindness, which we would all agree is, a, is an mm-hmm. incredible virtue. I mean, the Lord tells us to love kindness. It's, part, it's a fruit of the spirit, mm-hmm. right? Check me on that. Yep, it is. It is. <laughs> But they've elevated it above everything else. Yeah. And how does that play out? What does that look like? Yeah. (laughs) So I would say to start this conversation, because this is actually something I I try to hit on a lot with students, Hmm. is God's character is perfect. And he is different attributes that we see. Like he is love. He is technically he's the ultimate form of kindness. Yeah. right? Right. His character is the definition of the attributes we're working with. And so the problem we have in this world is we have a cultural version of the attribute mm. and we we reverse that to this what this is what God must be. And so <laughs> instead of saying hey God is like this and I see that in scripture, we do the reverse where we we say well here's kindness and God is kind, so here is what God should be. This is okay. how God should be kind. And and then you would get into those deep questions. I know I'm off railing a little bit, but if God is kind, then why do people go to hell? Right, right. right. And so we have those questions because we don't understand that God's character is what defines those things as opposed to those things defining God. <laughs> and yeah, so okay. I say all that because that's the pro- problem they're doing with kindness. And love is in, in the mix there. It always will be because people... Love, love. Sure. <laughs> right? Yes. And and so, but with kindness, the big thing is kindness is definition according to culture. And, and I'm probably not going to get this honestly right because I feel like people deep in the trenches are going to always rework this. <laughs> and, yeah, sure. But I think at its core is I will not mess with anybody else. I will, in a way, defend someone who who is being attacked mm-hmm. and what's crazy is what it what it what's so interesting and kind of hypocritical in that is that you will defend anybody being attacked to the point that you will be incredibly unkind to the people who wow. are attacking your friend right yeah yeah, yeah so, right and there there's not really a willingness <laughs> to admit that right because mm-hmm. if it's virtuous then it's fine sure. all of a sudden sure if if i'm on the right end of the kindness then I can be mean to the people who are mean. And I think a lot of them don't want to open their eyes Mm -hmm. to that. But really at its core, its intention is to say, I want everyone to feel like they can be exactly, once again, going back to the identity, I want to be exactly who they want to be. I want to just support them. It's that version of a friend that you're like, hey, I think I'm going to go like, just get wasted and spend all my money tonight. Mm-hmm. I think that sounds fun. And you're going to be that friend that says, you go girl. <laughs> right. And there's not, there's not any form of a person saying, I don't think that's the best thing for you. Yeah. Right. That's the reality is kindness has turned into 
a you go girl almost an affirmation yeah. of whatever Just, it is you pick mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it, what it is not is actually what i would argue is true kindness mm. true love which is saying hey this isn't the best thing for you yeah that's what's like for me one of the things once again going back to god's character when god when people are like why would god you know say for instance i have to be perfect right that it's so like i can't be perfect so why would god make me perfect <laughs> or say you have to be Right. Well, it's because God wants the best for you. Yeah. And the best for you is perfection. If he wanted you to not be perfect, he wouldn't be a good God. (laughs) He'd be a God that's like, yeah, you can get, you know, whatever. I don't want the best for you. Right. But he did want the best for you. He wanted perfection. And because he wanted perfection, he was perfect for us. Right. And I love to get that gospel in there. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) But, but that, that is the truth of like why I think people don't want to address the reality that a true loving person is going to tell people, Hey, I think you might be wrong here. Hey, I think this is an area you need to grow in. And a loving person back is not going to respond with this. Hey, you didn't affirm me, but they're Mm -hmm. going to respond with like, thank you for, for being willing to, to kind of cross that line of like tension. Yeah. Because you care about my heart and you care about the direction of my life. Mm. The sad thing is, the reality of these situations is it's actually requires humility from both sides. Uh, that's boy, what I that's think a, is so tough Yeah, because you can be a person who truly says, I love you. I want the best for you. I'm telling you this. And the person on the receiving end is like, not going to hear that. They're going to, yeah. Well, I do think that's part of that generational disconnect is even though we are right, I think the approach lacks humility, but mm-hmm. they're clearly violating something biblically Mm -hmm. say it is, you know, a gender sexuality issue and we're going to go and make that very clear to them. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Without developing a relationship, probably lacking some humility, not listening. It doesn't seem to go very well. Yeah, it doesn't. I had an old pastor who jokingly used to say, being right is actually not one of the fruits of the spirit. (laughs) Look at that. I know. I mean, it's, it's being silly a little, but I think you're right. You have to, almost earn a right in that relationship to be heard and to be able to have that harder conversation and and push back and not just affirm everything. Mm -hmm. But as as somebody that's older and you want to speak into that generation and and pass down biblical truth, you have to be willing to invest and listen and build a relationship. Yeah. And and it's a, I don't feel like I have the perfect answers. Yeah, Um, for sure. But I think that it's very important to know we're not saying for you to, spend three years never addressing the topic and just being their best friend because that's that's not helping either. That's that perversion of kindness you were just describing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And so it is this thing of like, we, we do, yes, exactly. We want to tell truth and we, but we want to do it in a way that says, I care about you. Yeah. In some situations, depending on the development of that relationship, it, it might look like you've only had a week long you know, this might be someone that you are a peer with, right? And you're, yeah. you only have like a week long relationship with this person mm. and you, you might, you know, obviously go with where the spirit's leading. So if you feel this leading of like, I do got to tell them the truth, then do that with as much humility as possible, which, which means like, honestly, speak to your own sin, <laughs> right? Because you deal with it too. That's and I right. deal with it too. Yeah. And so don't just make this about this other person yeah. and their wrongdoing. Yeah. So I think that's a huge part uh, of when it's a really close but quick 
interaction. But when it is like a kid or one of your kids or one of your students, I think that just it's not about playing the long game in the sense of not doing anything, but it is about playing the long game of knowing to pick your moments that are when don't, it's going to be beneficial. Don't freak out. Yeah. That was, that was the first one, <laughs> yeah, right? I know. Yep. <laughs> so. One of the things Keller talks about in some of his apologetic teachings, which I've been a long fan of, but he talked about it he really early on. He was, I can argue really well. He was world-class at it and I can show you that I'm right. And then he, he said that I realized there's a pre-apologetic phase is it's really hard to convince somebody you're right if they don't want that to be true. Mm-hmm. And he learned that I have to think about this and, and part of that's building a relationship, but ultimately whatever you're trying to convince somebody, it's something's true. And I'm not, I'm not getting into the Holy Spirit's role into this. That's mm-hmm. obviously a part of it, but you have to help them see that they would want this to be true. Yeah. And then it's pretty easy to show them how it's biblical or truth. Mm-hmm. But if you ignore that step and you're just going to argue them that you're right, I don't know how fruitful that is. I'm sure it works sometimes, but yeah, <laughs> I think about that a lot as a parent. Yeah. That's why like to get to the core of all this, the reality is this, as much as people get heated about it, this sin is one of many sins yeah. that are going to send you to hell. And if you continue to say, I'm going to live in this instead of choosing Christ, I think it would be very good for us as believers to take seriously our own sin. (laughs) And I'm, and I'm not saying, Hey, I'm not saying you got to be cleaned up to go before Jesus because he's the one that cleans you up. That's right. But I think at the same time, if you are, for instance, if you are having sex before marriage and or living together with someone and you're simultaneously shaming someone else for this other behavior, that's the clearest way for them to say, this person has zero credibility. You should, I mean, shame on you for thinking that you have credibility. Yeah, take Uh, the log out of your own eye first. And so it's just like, and I've talked about that passage actually a decent amount. That doesn't give us the right to, as the person on the defense, to say, well, you have no ability to speak into me. Because if it's true, it's true. That's right. And you need to be able to, take it. (laughs) But at the same time, if you are on the person giving it, you need to be the person that says, I'm going to be serious about what, what I struggle with. And I'm going to say, God, I I need your help here. And uh, because there's no way I can go and tell someone else, Hey, what you're doing and you're not being repentant and having something unrepentant in my own heart. Yeah. So that's so, so important for that as well. Beautifully said. I know I'm so thankful you spending the time with me. I know that'll be very helpful. And in that age group, I'm a parent of teenagers and these are the kinds of things we're talking about. So I appreciate it and appreciate all the ministry you do here and your passion and love for Christ that comes through your calling and student ministry. Thanks. So I'm, I know you love podcasts, so I know we'll be talking much more. So, Sounds good. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining Fellowship Around the Table. If you would like to learn more, go to fbctulsa.org.